0: This is the Ruck Infringement Podcast with Joey Alchin.
1: Legends, welcome back to another episode of the Ruck Infringement Podcast. We're beginning our summer series from this week and to join me here is Dave. Dave, how you been, mate? Mate,
0: I've been doing pretty well.
1: How have you been, Joey, my friend? Just living the dream, buddy. Just living the dream.
0: All As right, well, let's...
1: Well, let's get into it. So we had the Rugby League World Cup started last night at time of recording. Uh, yep. Sorry, I should say this morning. It was twelve thirty, so uh, the clock had just ticked over twelve thirty a.m. It was England against Samoa. Wow! Uh, I know that you've looked at the score here, Dave. Sixty to six to England.
0: Yeah, I I was actually quite shocked when I looked at that. I just went, "Wow!" because I think we uh, as a group, had our money on Samoa last week.
1: Yeah, we certainly did. Um, and it's not only that you you expect maybe minnow countries to probably you know get these sort of score lines sixty to six against maybe a Jamaica or an Italy, but a team like Samoa who have half the Penrith backline in their squad, Penrith just won the grand final. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really interesting that they have the same players that just won the comp, but they can't. And then they got hammered by 54 points. So in well, I mean, it's that- a
0: factor of 10 to one. I mean, it was, you know, England got 10 tries, 10 conversions where yeah. Samoa managed one yeah. and we have half a premiership playing side in there, as you know, yeah. and it's ridiculous. I mean, it, surely um a lot of people did their dough putting on, on Samoa.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't have a bet, which, uh, you know, is is not unlike me. I don't bet much. Uh, but, yeah, I stayed away from it this game. Um, it's funny how you say Samoa got one try, and the try they actually got was an intercept as well. So, where right. he ran the field for 90 metres. So, if he didn't get that, if England had held the ball and it went to hands... 60 mil mate. That would have been huge. First game of the Rugby League World Cup. Well, potentially um,
0: more if they um, had played their cards right.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. They did miss two goals, I think it was. So it right, could have okay. been 64-6 to six as well. But 8 out of 10 is still pretty good and two penalty goals as well. So he basically yeah. kicked 10 from 12 if you add the penalty goals on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. either way, it's an outstanding effort from England. And... Yeah you know as they as the England players have said in interviews afterwards nobody gave them a chance and they've absolutely turned it around and just proved everybody wrong
1: yeah I actually think you found something really interesting today that you sent me something that Gus Gould I think had tweeted about England
0: yeah it was Phil Gould and he actually said before the game started that England do not have a hope at beating Samoa, considering oh. how strong the team are. During the course of the... If you have a look at his Twitter feed, during the course of the game, he changed his tune really quick. And he changed his tune to eventually saying, well done to England. They played fantastically. Samoa no, dreadful. But one of the things that I found really interesting about that whole thing was the amount of people that were taking Gus to task about it and saying, "Yeah, you know, you're an idiot. Why did you bother... You know, how can you be so ridiculous? And of course, people were bantering back at people saying, mm. Well, yeah, you've surely you've picked a football game wrong. And somebody the one of those I sent you was a tweet and it said, uh, do any of you commentators ever own these bad calls? Mm. You know, do you ever take responsibility for the fact that you go out there and you put this stuff out there and say, Yeah, okay, maybe we got that one a bit wrong?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, it's definitely an interesting question. I know personally from watching Rugby League, like you, publicly you don't hear commentators admit it much. They, they often won't come out and be like, okay, I got that wrong. And the problem with Gus is he has a bit of a track record of this. He uh, has a bit of a big mouth and tends to say things that are very controversial in Rugby League. So I think uh, people get a bit uh, jack of you know the stuff that he says because he says things in Rugby League a lot. He used to be the CEO at Penrith before he joined the Dogs. And whenever Penrith would play and he would commentate, he'd be so biased towards Penrith, right? And then now he's at the Dogs. Whenever the Dogs play, he's so biased towards the Dogs. But a game earlier this year, the Dogs played Penrith. And everything that happened to Penrith, he was like, oh, no, that's wrong, that's wrong, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, Gussie's getting a bit old, I think, in the tooth. so.
0: To his credit, though, uh, later in the game he did give England the defend the the credit they deserve for their excellent playing. Yeah, um, and good on him, good on him for doing yeah. that. I just, but what I think the issue is, and someone another uh, Twitter follower made this point as well. It wasn't so much, oh, I reckon that this team's going to get up uh, in a kind of, you know, the typical kind of tipping prediction type thing that we all do. What Gus did is he actually said, England cannot beat Samoa.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, and that's a little bit different to say, oh, I, I really don't think they're going to do any good. That's kind of sort of blokey banter that we all do in yeah. terms of, but for the, to come out there from a, a, an expert's point of view, former player, administrator at a club to say, this team does not have a snowball's chance in hell against Samoa. And then to have turn around and see that particular team have their backside handed to them by England being the home side, and then not owning the fact that you wrote them off before they even kicked the ball.
1: Oh, mate! You
0: know it's it's it it, it really it's boggles the mind. It does. It's one of those things. At what point do you turn around and go, Yeah, okay, maybe I got that one a little bit wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. the The other thing is the World Cup is in England this year. Yep. So they're the home, like they're the home nation. So of course they're going to play well. Of course they're going to want to win the world cup for their fans that are there.
0: Absolutely. But at the same time, I don't think anybody had a 60 to six win to England. No. In the First game of the game on their, on their world cup bingo card. No, I way. certainly
1: and, didn't. And it's funny because last week in the up, so they didn't count towards the world cup, but, England played Fiji in the warm up and they won fifty nil. So wow, they've they've had a good start. Yeah, fifty nil and sixty to six. It's uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and
0: and and these these Islander teams such as Samoa and Fiji and, and that sort of thing, they've managed to get hold of a lot of, uh, like real stars in the NRL yeah. for the play in yeah. Australia. You know, from teams like. Um, uh, they've got people from Manly, they've got people from the Penrith and the Dogs, and all you know, a lot of really solid stars that are bolstering up these teams. And yet, on the world stage, you know, it's it's turning out to be anybody's game.
1: It's, it's definitely funny, isn't it? You know, uh, Penrith was so clinical, but uh, what what I wanted to talk on that about was I find that it's really interesting how the Penrith connection can be so good in club footy, but not the same at an international level. It is only one game, and I think, you know, we we might have jumped the gun here, but let's see. Samoa may come back. But Jerome Luai, who plays 5'8 for Samoa, he is 5'8 with Nathan Cleary for Penrith. And they've, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, how they've played together since they were kids. So these two boys have grown up playing in the halves together. They know each other's game. And then Luai gets thrust into this Samoan team with Anthony Milford at halfback, and he was just undone. The the main thing that Samoa lacked was a game manager. I attempted to watch this game. It uh, was at 12.30. I only got 10 minutes through and then fell asleep. But watching back on the highlights, they needed a game manager. They had no one to take control of the game. Whereas England have done this year after year. They have the Super League competition, which is England's Rugby League. And so the, these players are experienced. Same as Samoa, but for some reason, they just they just weren't in it in this game. Where Penrith have proven
0: to be a very tight-knit and well-oiled machine when it comes to playing on the field, do you think that effectively taking players from various different clubs, from Penrith and wherever else, and chucking them all together to represent a, a nation such as Samoa, do you think that maybe that lacks cohesion and that maybe there hasn't oh. been enough
1: preparation in that case? 100%. 100%. It, it, like, you, you, you've never played with some of these guys before. So some of them are brand new to international football. And we haven't had a World Cup for a few years because of COVID. We were supposed to have yeah. it two years ago. And some of these boys have only been playing for two seasons. So some of them have never even played in a World Cup or an international game in their life.
0: So, yeah,
1: 100%, I think it just lacks cohesion. But, look, Samoa still have a great squad. They have the team that could go on and be this dark horse in the competition. In saying that, England could be a dark horse too. So we'll just have to wait and see. But we'll move on to our second game of the Rugby League World Cup that was on last uh, this morning. Sorry, 5.30 a.m. I got up for this one. It was the Aussies against Fiji. Aussies getting the win 42-8. to eight. However, Another
0: demolition, yep.
1: Yeah, it was, but it started with Fiji. Fiji were up 4-0 in the first 10 minutes. Uh, and then the Aussies hit back and that was it. They yep. just ran away with it. It was forty-two to four before um, Fiji scored another try, which which was a bit disappointing. I, I mean, I know they've already won the game, but you, you don't want to take the foot off the pedal. Exactly. You don't want to do that. You you want to keep your defense going, make it forty-two to four, keep that scoreline. The mm-hmm. first try they got, okay, fair enough. That's the first ten minutes, but to let one in in the last ten minutes is a bit poor from Australia. Uh, however, the team was clinical. Cameron Munster got man of the match. He played 5'8". The one thing I want to talk about Australia, and I, I, I'm quite livid about it. Uh, a lot of people are at the moment. I don't know if you've heard, but they're doing, instead of having your 1 to 13, they've decided to do squad numbers this year. The way it works is based on when players debuted for Australia. So, for instance, James Sinesco is the captain of Australia. So he's got number one, but he plays number one in club footy anyway because that's a fullback, right? But he only got number one because he's captain. Daly Cherry Evans is the oldest Australian player. He's wearing number two. Now, number two in rugby league is a winger. Cherry Evans is a halfback, so he should be wearing seven. So they've gone this way.
0: According to what I read here, he's the hooker.
1: Yeah, see, it's... They've, uh, yeah, it's very confusing how they've done with these squad numbers. So, yeah yep. okay. Uh, I don't know why they've done it. Apparently, they signed off on it two years ago. But even Mal Meninga, the Australian coach, doesn't like it. And mm. it was like, I know the game, but for people who don't know the game, watching it this morning, you would have been like, why is Ado Car, who's usually a winger, wearing nine, which is your hooker? Yep, <laughs> it's it doesn't make any sense, you know. So. It's a it's a bit of a weird one, and apparently that's going to be like that the whole competition for Australia.
0: But, but is, that, is that the case with every other team in the competition no. as well?
1: No, 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 no other club is doing the squad numbers. They're they've got you know they're one to seventeen, or or if a reserve player is playing, they're number twenty, but it's only because they've been picked out of the reserve side.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but yeah, apart from that, they're basically one to seventeen, apart from Australia, they're. They're one to 17s all over the place. So,
0: right.
1: It's it's a weird one. But anyway, you know, I don't work for the ARL. So I just have to accept it, I guess. I mean, I I know who's got the ball and who's playing where, but it's more for those who don't follow it as much as I do. They might be tuning into the World Cup for the first time. Mm. They're going to (laughs) be really confused. But yeah, Australia getting a great win there, 42 to 8. Cameron Munster man in the match. Angus Crichton was really strong on that right edge. Uh as we look forward to the rest of round one, we've got a game on uh tomorrow morning at 12 30 again. Yep. Scotland against Italy, which will gonna be an really interesting game. game yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm gonna back Scotland. Their favourites at the moment are $1.25 with Italy out to $4. I like Italy's team. But I think mm-hmm. I'll back Scotland just because they've got a little bit more experience in their side, NRL wise. They've got a few yep. NRL players in their team. And then three AM for those that are, don't have to work in the morning, get up at three, and we got Jamaica against Ireland. Bring it Jamaica, home, Jamaica. Jamaica at sixteen dollars to wow. beat Ireland. Ireland at a dollar two. <laughs> <laughs> So get on oh, Jamaica. I,
0: I just want Jamaica to have the upset there.
1: Oh, that would be so good. At $16, I mean, mate, that that's worth a punt. That's, oh,
0: oh well, I mean, look, I just think that being at the ground for the Jamaica Island game, both sides would be having absolutely mad parties. I mean, oh yeah. Um, although I do tend to like reggae a little bit more than Irish jigs, so I'd probably hang out with the Jamaicans if it was me.
1: And Look, if if I was a uh, crowd member in that crowd, I'd be scared. Imagine the Irish when they get some beers into them. So, oh yeah, yeah. that's oh, uh, yeah. that's. Oh, yeah. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a cracking game, and then we got five thirty. Tomorrow morning, New Zealand against Lebanon. They this is going to be a cracker. New Zealand, yeah. as I said before, number one in the world. They're extremely good when it comes to Rugby League World Cup. They're at a dollar one. Lebanon yep. at $26. Ooh,
0: okay. But I thought Lebanon had a bit of form about them.
1: Well, that's what I was just gonna say. They're bigger odds than Jamaica. And Lebanon have about six or seven NRL players in their team, whereas Jamaica don't have any. So, yeah, really interesting there that but Lebanon. I mean, oldest.
0: yeah, but Jamaica have pulled a lot from uh, English Super League. Yeah, heaps
1: yeah, they of, have heaps
0: of English Super League, particularly a lot from the, uh, some of the northern clubs like Warrington. So, yeah, um, they'll have a they'll have a pretty decent side, I reckon.
1: Yeah, so twenty six dollars there for Lebanon. So if, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if you like a bit of risk in your life, then go for it. Uh, obviously, the, the to finish off round one, we have Tuesday at five thirty is France versus Greece. France at a dollar five, the home nation of Greece at ten dollars, yep. uh, and then we move on to Wednesday at five thirty is Tonga against PNG. That'll be a really good game. That will be a good game. I really like PNG's team as well. They got a few NRL players coming through as well. Tonga should get the win though in that one. And then to finish off round one on Thursday at five thirty AM is Wales against Cook Islands. Wales at five dollars fifty. Cook Islands at a dollar fifteen.
0: Yeah, Cook that Islands. About
1: right. Yeah, Cook Islands. As I said last week is the team that I think may make the top four. So they've got a real good side. So a few good games there, really interesting to watch. It's, mate, it's just so good to have the World Cup back on. A few yeah, of those man, type... there's,
0: some, there's some really good, really interesting countries are representing this year, which is great.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And... So we have a few rounds and then it will hit finals, but we should get about... Four or five rounds in to start
0: with. Yeah, we get three weeks of this and then yeah. it goes into the finals. But um, final starting in uh, early November. But it'll be really interesting to see how all this pans out. It's uh, been really fascinating to look at so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been great. Obviously, you know, I w- I'd love to see Australia win. But as we spoke about last week, those minnow countries, you always want to see them get up. It's It's nice to see an underdog win. So, yeah, it's going to be a really great World Cup. We'll keep talking about it. Can't wait. We're going to take a different track now and move on to some cricket. The T20 World Cup actually started today. But before we talk on the World Cup, I want to talk about Australia versus England had three 2020 matches that were played recently, and uh, we didn't do great. England beat us. So, our first 2020 against England, Australia were nine out to 200 chasing England, six out for 208. So we lost the game there. Davey Warner, though, Davey Warner, 73, great score. The rest didn't do a whole lot. Mitch Marsh got 36, which was nice. England, though, Alex Hales and Josh Butler, they opened and Butler 68, Hales 84, and they just demolished us from before the first week it was even taken. So England were very strong in that game. David Warner's found a real purple patch of form in the second 2020 on Wednesday night he got four but the 2020 before the Monday so we played India and he got a 70 and then he got 73 again uh we moved on the Wednesday one it was Australia got six out for 170 and England was seven for 178 we fell 8 runs short in that game I watched that game and I was disappointed because the Aussies started off really well. Mitch Marsh at 45, fell five runs shorts of 50. Tim David, 40 before getting out. But it just seems to be a talking point of Australian cricket, and it has been for years, about this middle order collapse that they always seem to have. Doesn't matter whether it's Test cricket, 2020, one day is Australia, they lose about three, four wickets, and then it's up to the tail. Save that no. was
0: always the case when uh, Alan Border and Shane Warne would quite regularly rescue the Australian team yeah. in the '90s with the bat. It's um that's nothing unusual, particularly. It's it, I'm surprised that it's taken this long for anybody to acknowledge it in the yeah. Australian cricket coaching side, so that they could try and do something about it.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's definitely been a pattern for a long time. The one thing I really wanted to speak on about the Australian cricket team is Aaron Finch. So Aaron Finch. Is as everyone knows, he's the T20 captain. However, he has been out of form for a while now. Mark Waugh spoke in this game about how he seems to be crouching when he's approaching the crease. The ball comes, he's in a really weird stance, it's sort of like a crowd, and he's just trying to hit like a lot of power out of the ball rather than just trying to play a shot. He grunts every time he hits it. He's really trying to like lay into the ball and he's just really out of form at the moment. And I think it's time to move to a new captain. He Ooh,
0: why do you think he's taking that approach when, when the ball comes at him?
1: I, I, I honestly think he's just lost his timing. And I don't think he, he was one of the best 2020 players in the world. And I honestly think that age has just caught up to him and he's mm-hmm. lost his timing. And you look at him compared to Davy Warner. They both open right yep. Uh you know Warner smashed 73 the other night and looked incredible. But Finchy, he's just, he's had his day, you know, and he's been so great for Australia and everyone will remember what he's done. He's the captain of our side heading into the World Cup. So it's really interesting. Like as a captain, you think that, I know no one wants to retire, but you need to think of the future. You need to go, okay, I'm not seeing these well. Take Ricky Ponting. Ricky Ponting is a classic example of that. Ricky Ponting probably should have retired two years before he did. Yep, He probably played on it two years too long those two years where he just couldn't get a score. He just couldn't, he just couldn't find a 50 couldn't find a hundred. And then just before he retired, he hit a nice, you know, couple of centuries there, but, and then retired, but it's a case of like, you need to know. And, and, a lot of cricketers say that when you know, you know. They know when it's yep. time for them to retire. So I don't know if Finch is just waiting to get through the World Cup, you know, whether it's he wants to bring that experience into the World Cup, but maybe opening isn't where he should be right now. Like maybe he should bat down the order a bit, you know, get a bit of timing, get a bit of consistency back into his batting.
0: Yeah, yeah, more than likely. And and look, most professional sportsmen have a very finite time that they uh, are on the field yeah. and but it, it really should be up to the individual when they're ready to go it sh- they shouldn't be forced out I don't believe it should be everybody's own decision to make but sometimes you've got to look at the performance of what they're doing and say well actually it's probably time that you were shuffled sideways or, or at yeah. least down the order a little bit because you you're really relying on the the openers to do or to set the team up and really when they do get out after they score a really high really high score, then it's smooth sailing from that point on. yeah but if exactly. the openers if, if the openers can't establish that rhythm to start with and, and and can't boost the morale by doing their job in the first place and you leave it up to the tail enders to bring the team home. what does that say about the top order? you know and yeah. why are, why are your tail enders you know and the tail enders often have to perform and sometimes do perform very very well. Mm. but why is it that the tail enders are being moved up the order? Yeah. Only because and leaving the top enders to or the openers to flounder, you know, game after game. Who knows? And-
1: it, it it's always been the same. And and a great point you make about, you know, how it, it sort of dampens it a bit because when Finch gets out, like warner might be, you know, 20 runs by the time Finch gets out, but then Warner has to steady the ship again. Mm-hmm. So instead of him just taking off like he does when he opens he has to then steady the ship for your first drop to come in. Be like, all right, mate, how are we going to play this? We're going to hit a few singles to start with. And the run rate dips increasingly. So losing an opener is just terrible. So I think Finchie just, I don't know, like maybe he needs to have a conversation with himself and just say, should he open? Maybe he should move down to a five. Move, mm. move down to a five, comes in a bit later. Usually by when your fifth batsman comes in, you got the spinners on. You know, start trying to smack some spinners for six, especially in twenty twenty. Yep. You know who 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 knows who knows what's going to happen, but yeah, just want to touch on Finchy a bit. But yeah, let's well, talk. 20, in
0: twenty twenty, you don't have a lot of a lot of uh, space to to fool around. You've got to start exactly. making runs very quickly. Yeah. You know, and the audience want the big hits. You know, they, oh,
1: they, well, that's right.
0: They want the ball to um to clear the fence. So, yeah. and that's really what the game's built around.
1: And of course, like as Australians, you know, Finch is our captain and I want to see us retain the World Cup. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Hopefully he'll make the right choice and we just have to back him as supporters. But speaking of the World Cup, we had our first game today, Sri Lanka against Namibia. And this is what we have been talking about, the underdog getting the win. Namibia, yeah. seven out for 163. Sri Lanka all out for 108.
0: Just a question. Um, I meant to ask this about some of the rugby league games that we talked yeah. about earlier. Do we know what the odds were before the game started for Namibia and Sri Lanka?
1: I don't, but I know it would have been pretty high because Sri Lanka are actually, I think they're quite high in the rankings for 2020. Um, are they in the super 12? I don't know. I I, I believe so. I believe they are They're I, I actually, they're, they're,
0: actually, they're not. They're only in the group stages. They're in. Oh, um, okay. They're in, well, state, they're in. They're in. team A of the group stage. I um,
1: saw. I saw something today when I was watching this game, and it said Lanka had won about twenty-five matches. Uh, yeah. Sorry, twenty-five World Cup matches, T right. Twenty World Cup matches, which was the highest of any team. Australia were fifth with twenty-two. So they're, man, Namibia, how good though, right?
0: Yeah, it's, it's really
1: So good. good to see. So good. I mean, this bowling, I'm just having a look at the scorecard here just to see how this bowling went for Namibia. So it was all two wicked hauls. You had uh, David Weese got two for 16 off four overs. Schultz, two for 18 off four overs. Chicago, two for 22 off three overs.
0: And they're pretty uh, efficient. Yeah, pretty efficient bowlers there. The um, Sri Lankan bowlers, Namibia smashed him around. I mean... Um, Madishan, two for thirty-seven off four overs.
1: Yeah, not great yeah, in twenty twenty. That's,
0: that's that's not um not particularly great efficiency.
1: One for thirty-six there as well. Yeah, yeah. So one for thirty-nine for uh Chamira, So yeah, and uh we can see uh Frylink there got forty-four for Namibia. So he batted really well and then took two wickets himself. So yeah, really good performance there. It's so good to see. Uh, also, on right now... So,
0: it's yes, the United Emirates yep, against, against Netherlands. Netherlands. Now, the Netherlands are about to take the field. They are. Um, the uh, UAE have just finished. They got uh, 11 out, 111 runs from 20 overs. Eight so out for 111, yeah. Not a real great opening run by the, uh, the Emirates, but we'll see no. what the Netherlands can come back with.
1: I'm just looking at their... At their scorecard, and there was only one good score. Wazim, who got 41. He opened the rest was all 12, 15, 18, 2, 4, 1,
0: 5. So, yeah, so he got two sixes for his 41. So that's not too bad.
1: Yeah, not too bad. But yeah, the rest of that scorecard's not great. And uh Bastire, he got three for 19 off three overs, Netherlands Bowlers. So yep. it was a pick of the bowlers there. Man, it's gonna be a good World Cup. I'm excited to see some of these matches. Australia play in a couple of days' time. But, yeah, that's our T20 World Cup. You know what's better than Sunday Arvo Sports? Uh, Saturday Arvo Sports? Hey, look, I do like my Saturday Arvo Sports. But by more mean, Sunday Arvo Sports with a snack. And now you can snack too with Gibson's Country Style Jerky. With a wide variety of flavours, including teriyaki, honey soy garlic, hot chilli, and my favourite, pepper steak. Gibson's has all your jerky needs covered. Follow Gibson's Country Style Jerky now on Facebook and Instagram and order online or visit their website at gibsoncountrystylejerky.com. And if you follow the Ruck infringement podcast, you can use the code RUCK5 for 5% off. All right, let's go on to some talking points, Dave. Now, we've already touched on squad numbers for Aussies, so we won't talk on that anymore. Yep. The main talking point I want to speak on in rugby league is the sacking of Des Hasler. Uh, now we spoke a bit off air you were as shocked as I was he's been their coach for such a long time he was a former player of the club he's played for Australia he's played for New South Wales he's done it all it's yep. uh it's it's quite a shock yeah
0: I mean des has those pretty much manly royalty really he is and but uh, this is me uh, according to the news and I'm sort of scanning as we talk about this uh fractures all over the place and that happened yep. even before the pride jersey blew the, the lid off things. There was all kinds of things going on behind the scenes. And uh, Desi Hazel wasn't aware of most of them. Mm. Um, but there seems to be a little bit of uh, scurrilous behavior going on behind the scenes. Seems to be that a lot of people were not particularly happy with him in in the first place. and uh, It looks like he they were planning to get rid of him a lot sooner than we anticipated.
1: Well, they spoke on it a bit last year. They spoke about if he didn't perform, he would probably be on the chopping block. And mm-hmm. I actually said in one of my segments last year, uh, sorry, earlier this year, that he was one of my ones that I thought would go. Look, considering how formidable manly have been over the past 30, 40 years, they've been, a, they've been a force since the 80s. Uh, for how strong they've been, and especially Hasler as coach, they've always made finals. To not make finals this year, I think, was the straw for them, was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yep. I think they really, the higher-ups at the club, they didn't think that was good enough. Personally, you know, I, I, I don't think you can, the success that Desi's had, you can't sack him based on not making finals one year. But if that's their, their prerogative, then, you know, who, who are we to stop him? The incoming coach looks like it's going to be Anthony Seabold. He used Mm -hmm. to be the Broncos and Rabbitohs former coach. He didn't leave the Broncos on great terms. I think he won a wooden spoon there with him. So yeah, he he wasn't great. So Manly are going to take a punt on Seabold. But some of those fractures you were talking about are definitely there. There's been fractures about Daley Cherry Evans, who's the captain of Manly. Yep. I personally find Jerry Evans a little bit overrated. Sorry to all my Manly fans there. I love you all. Uh, but <laughs> I, I find Jerry Evans a bit overrated. I just think, for those who aren't aware, Jerry Evans was offered a 10 year deal. So, pretty much a lifetime deal to stay at Manly 10 years, 10 mil, right? Yep. One mil a season. And yeah. he took that. And, and once he signed that contract, I just felt his footy just dropped off. And look, I don't blame it. If you're offered a 10-year deal just to sit back and do nothing, that, that's what you're going to do. But exactly, as, as the captain of a club, the fans look at that and they go, hey, you're lazy now. You're so lazy. Like He he hardly does anything. And for some reason, he still makes Queensland origin side. He still makes Australia. So, you know, it's, it's more about who you know, not what you know. But, yeah, you know, Cherry Evans for me, a little bit overrated. And... The Travojevich brothers is where some of the fractures are heading as well. They've said that they're going to stay at Manly and support Seabold. There was talk earlier in the week that Tom Turbo wanted to meet with his agent and discuss a move, but it's all media speculation. It's all hype. The The thing with the Travojevich brothers is there's three of them. So if one leaves, three leaves. So a club should be looking at that and going, we could get three players. If we get three players. It's like a, a special." Three players for the price of one. You know, you can probably work that in somewhere. But I think the Dolphins should make a a big play for the Travojevich brothers. Now that they may be on the outer at Manly, the Dolphins still need a marquee signing. And to have Jake and Tom there and Ben, who's coming through the grades as well, would be ideal for the Dolphins. Look, it's just, I, I, I do feel for Desi. As we spoke on, he's Manly royalty. I really feel for him in that. I, I always feel for coaches when they get sacked because it's not all on coaches. And no. so many times they sack coaches. They don't sack the players that have a bad game. No, and they the thing is the that yeah, not making finals. Yeah,
0: I mean the thing is that the coach is standing on the sideline. You've got seventeen players or on the field. That's right. And the thing is, you know, the players have to come together and do their job.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You
0: know, it's it's. I get the idea of the the captain going down with the ship and all those sort of metaphors and stuff but i just i just think that you know it's not all the captain's uh, the coach's fault sorry
1: yeah i i completely agree i i get so frustrated at these conversations when coaches are sacked we saw it at the tigers earlier in the year with michael maguire and the tigers continued to perform terribly yeah. after he was sacked so you can't tell me that it's the coach when the players still did poorly. It just, yeah, it's it's such a hard one. But look, a feel for Manly fans. Uh, Desi won't be there next year. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, so that's it for our talking points. Some signing news in the NRL. Aaron Penne, who was at the Warriors, used to be at Melbourne Storm, has signed with the Melbourne Storm. So he's returning back to the club. Apart from that, not much going on. There's still talk about the Knights making a play for Luke Brooks which I think would be really ideal. Uh, He needs a new club. So that would be great for him. We've touched on the Cricket World Cup around the corner. My bold prediction is I think Australia take it out pretty easy. Uh, The next thing I want to talk on, and we chatted a bit about this off air, uh, is 2023 predictions. Now, I'm going to give some predictions here for Rugby League in 2023. I know we've barely just come off the season. But I can't help myself. I just I miss it so much. I I have to talk some rugby league. I have to talk about the Roosters. So, I'm going to give some early predictions. Look, I'll, I'll I'll give us a grand finalist and maybe who I think might finish first. Now we look at signings for next year. I think one of the most improved teams is going to be the Bulldogs. They've signed really well for next season. Cameron Silverado coming over as coach for them. I think they'll have a massive season. I'm predicting top four. Top four next year for the Doggies, which it's been a long time since they've been in the top four. So top four for Doggies for me. I think the Roosters will be vastly improved after losing to Souths that first week of finals. And, look, I I told you last week, but 2023 is the year of the chook, mate. It's the year of the chook. I think there actually could be some bunnies up there. Oh, mate. can't uh, can't say that to a Roosters fan. I'm not a bunnies fan,
0: but I, I think they played really well last season. And I think there's a good chance they could be up there again this year.
1: Yeah. Well, look, all the Roosters faithful would just be screaming at you right now. And we're saying, nah, bunnies are coming last. Wooden spoon for the bunnies. Yeah, that's, uh, go, that's on, what... go, go
0: on, go on, go on, people. Reach through the internet and come and get me.
1: Um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. De- definitely leave some good reviews, though. Thank you, everybody. Mm. Um, and the other one is, I actually think that Penrith, may go on a little bit of a slide next year. Losing a few players, they're losing their attacking and defensive coach as well. Probably probably their two best coaches. You know, Cameron Serrato was their attacking coach and he pretty much got them to the grand final. Andrew Webster was their defensive coach and we saw how good their defense was during the year. And he's going to be the head coach of the Warriors next season. So losing the coaches is worse than losing their players because those coaches play such a big part. The other team that has some players coming next season that may be good is the Tigers. I never thought we'd talk about the Tigers on this podcast too much, but they've signed Isaiah Papalihi and Api Korosau, who just won a grand final with the Panthers. So be interesting to see if a bit of experience for the Tigers can help them get through. But that's some early predictions. I'm obviously going the Roosters to win it. But as we talked on off air, it's too early to start anything yet. So Absolutely. bring on... Right. The, with all
0: the drama going on on the Northern Beaches, it's probably another year in the wilderness for Manly.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. It'll be interesting to see if Seabold can get them going. He doesn't have a great track record, as I said before, with the Broncos. Yeah, interesting choice for me. But yeah, I, I, think, you're, I think you're definitely right there. I don't see Manly making the eight next year. And we don't know the repercussions of this, whether players, will lose, uh, whether players will leave before next season or, you know, we, we still don't know what's going to happen yet. So I think you're definitely right there with Manly. But that's a bit for our early predictions. And Dave, that's about all we got time for today for the Rock and Fringe podcast. So I'd just like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. You can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. And also, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Gibson Country Style Jerky. Don't forget to go to their website, gibsoncountrystylejerky.com. Order yourself some jerky, Ruck5 for 5% off. He's Dave, I'm Joey, and remember, stay puffed.